0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Yeah, if something was faulty, if if, if our gear, you know, if the zip on a jacket got stuck, or if you got a little rip in the tent, or if something wasn't quite right, a screw on a ski binding came loose. um, If you didn't stop and fix it straight away, like very quickly... Under that sort of pressure, like the the smallest things can become really consequential issues. So so um, so we sort of had the same policy with our with our relationship as as two friends and as a team um, where if something wasn't quite right, we would try and fix it.
2: to the adventure podcast and the second episode of our Solitude Specials. In this series we're speaking to all kinds of adventurers and explorers about how expedition life and uh, experiences working remotely or on your own or in small teams can prepare us mentally for dealing with a crisis like the one that we face right now as we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. The first episode in this series was with Megan Hine, if you haven't heard that then check it out. But this episode is with Ben Saunders. Ben almost certainly needs very little introduction. He's one of the most highly regarded and accomplished polar explorers in the world. I've been very fortunate over the last few years in that Ben has become quite a close friend and mentor. And we've got something quite special recorded with Ben on the cards that we'll be releasing in the next few weeks. But in this episode of the Solitude Specials, we talk to Ben about what it's like to cross Antarctica and life in a tiny tent with one other person, solo journeys at both poles, the need to feel like we're doing something, as well as the importance of children's programs like Fraggle Rock. We hope you enjoy this series and find it useful, and there's a lot more of it to come. What are you supposed to be doing right now?
1: What was I supposed to be doing right now? I should have been on the road, really, uh, travelling around, um, speaking, telling telling stories, uh, which, which has been a big part of my life for 15 years or so. And uh, ironically, the one thing I was complaining about last year, whizzing around the world, was not enough time at home, on the sofa with my dog, in front of the fire, going for walks with my wife, so plenty of that right now. But yeah, I should have been traveling. I should have been in in Malta this week, Zurich, Austria last week, US next week, and yeah, nothing, none of it's happening. And so what
2: are you doing instead?
1: (laughs) Good question. Uh, Chilling at home. Um, You can't see, but I'm wearing my tracky bums right now, like most people probably are. Got my my slippers on. um, And kind of... In right now, I mean this is what, like day three, day four, I don't have losing count already. But um, right now I'm actually quite enjoying a bit of space in my diary and a bit of chance to, to sort of regroup um and finally have some time to, to kind of think and reflect and do a bit of planning. And um yeah, it's it's been a real it's uh, been it's been really weird, like suddenly having a blank diary for for the foreseeable future. I mean, up until I think I've got stuff in May but I doubt that's happening so October's getting busy <laughs> everything everything I should be doing now is happening in October but yeah I've got this sort of weird blank space and and part of me actually quite likes that like it's it's like buying a new notebook and, and sort of having this this completely you know right back do anything um so clearly can't do anything right now I'm <laughs> limited to one one dog walk one bike ride a day so um so far, the cabin fever has been manageable, but um, yeah, it's a sort of weird blank space um, in what should have been a busy, busy period.
2: Yeah, and I suppose most of the people that I'm asking these questions to are very busy by the nature of what they do and by the kind of people that they seem to be as well. Um, how are you coping or how have you coped with the sudden enforced change? Gosh,
1: Um yeah, it's a funny one. A, a part of me, up until a few days ago, thought, everything's going to be fine because I was contractually supposed to be paid for the speaking gigs so I should have been doing this month anyway. So I thought, well, that's fine. There's money coming in. And then we had an email saying uh, it's force majeure, like an act of God, like pandemic. So, by the way, you're not going to get paid. So suddenly there's a bit of pressure. But I, I, I actually there's this weird part of me that, that quite enjoys a bit of pressure and a bit of challenge and a bit of Uh, A bit of uncertainty. So um, we're all in the same boat in in, in a weird way, even though we're all doing enormously different, diverse things. Like, it's bizarre. I was talking to these school kids yesterday who were uh, in Ottawa, of all places, and uh, it was a guy who basically had, had shut his office but turn the office into a school so for, for like a week it was sort of working as a school and then they were told they couldn't leave home so i did a, a a sort of zoom call with a dozen or so kids and parents all all at home and it was brilliant but i was kind of saying to them like i'm i'm 42 now which to them must be ancient and i've never lived through anything like this like it's the first time i i've experienced this kind of strangely universal global challenge that affects everyone like every industry every walk of life like it's it's a it's a peculiar time so yeah but for me personally I think you know one of the 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 ways I've made a living out of this stuff for 15 nearly 20 years has suddenly vanished overnight um but I but I I quite like being up against it quite like a challenge and um and, and of course it's giving me the time and and the and the space to do all the things that I've been meaning to do for years, from DIY projects to writing a book. <laughs> so I've got no excuses now to get all those things done. So um, yes, yeah, so there's, there's there's lots to do. Like I, I'm I'm kind of I can stay busy, which is how I like to be, um, but um, but a very different kind of busy and a sort of homebound, deskbound busy for 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 the near future.
2: And so, to what extent? has your kind of previous experience helped you with coping? Because that's a, you know, it's interesting having these conversations because I just assume that people like yourself just cope with everything. And how, when you are faced with, you know, things like work drying up, being forced into solitude or forced into quarantine, how do you not go stir crazy and how do you cope with the stress and pressure?
1: I was thinking about this. um, And there, there are... There are a few different things that I, I think I sort of figured out over the, years, the the years that have been helpful, and um, the I guess the, the the sort of bizarrely one of the biggest challenges right now is 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 and this would be the same for almost everyone everywhere that's in the same situation is, is kind of how do you suddenly cope when you're confined to a relatively small space most of the time and um, and the, the the sort of strange. Paradox of a lot of the big expeditions I've done is is that yeah, you know, Tarka and I spent three and a half months in the biggest wilderness on earth, didn't see any human beings apart from for a few minutes at the South Pole um in 108 days. And yet we were we were living in a in a actually a three-man tent for two of us, which was luxurious, but um living in a space that it would be illegal to keep prisoners in for that long. So so we kind of had to figure out how to how to get on as as two people who were knackered and stressed and hungry and pissed off a lot of the time and and sort of fed up and 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 um and also with with no no kind of stimulus like there's no i mean beyond the sort of environment that we're in but actually most of the time that's incredibly similar um our daily routine was almost identical which which helped in in some ways um you know it's not like we sort of got up in the morning we're like well what should we do today We, we knew what we had to do um but I was thinking about that sort of life in a tent with one other person for three and a half months. And, and one of the things that, that was crucial, and we'd sort of both figured this out before in previous trips, was was that there was this imaginary division that was that was sacrosanct, like halfway down the tent, right down the middle. And and one half was mine, one of us his. Now, bizarrely, we actually swapped over um, every time we t- put the tent up because the person on the left, I think, was as you sort of got in the tent was, was the cook and the person on the right was, was not the cook and did all the other stuff. And and, um, and actually I ended up doing most of the other stuff because that meant updating the websites and talk, I had no interest in that. But he was really good at the practical sewing stuff and gluing stuff and working out navigation and you know calculations and food distance equations, all that stuff. So we had different roles in the tent and, and, and they hinged on which, which side of the tent you were in. But we did not cross that boundary. Like the worst thing you do would be to put your you know your 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 foot on the other person's sleeping bag um and we never actually discussed that we never sort of set up these these rules but that was something that was vitally important and um and we'd sometimes we'd chat in the evenings we'd always be in our sleeping bags. so we, we, as soon as we got in the tent we were in the sleeping bags but we each had our own side um and we could chat we could lie on our backs we could face each other but there was also for both of us there was a sort of period in the evening where we sort of roll away from each other and sort of face the wall of the tent and read a book or write in our diaries or do and and having our own space and and so somewhere to kind of escape physically even in this tiny confined home we were sharing together was was really important um and the other thing that, that that we learned pretty quickly was um about how we communicated and and we we kind of both understood that if something wasn't you know if something was faulty if, if, if our gear you know if the zip on a jacket got stuck or if you got a little rip in the tent or if something wasn't quite right a screw on a ski binding came loose um if you didn't stop and fix it straight away like very quickly under that sort of pressure like the, the smallest things can become really consequential issues so so um so we sort of had the same policy with our with our relationship as as two friends and as a team um, where if something wasn't quite right we'd try and fix it like if something and, and, and the deal was and this was hard for two Englishmen or, or one half Frenchman half Englishman um, but the deal was and we and we worked it was all quite formal we, we worked with a psychologist before we left for months and then sort of figuring out this plan but essentially the deal was that we had to be really honest with each other and if something was pissing us off or the other person was doing something or not doing something that was somehow kind of holding us back then we had to try and fix it straight away before it became some issue that we were both resenting each other and getting angry. and yeah, So that worked really well. And I was thinking as well, there's, there's a lot of sort of hype these days about stoicism and that kind of thing. But I, I think one of the big lessons, especially that trip taught me, but it probably, probably something I started figuring out on the Arctic Ocean years ago was, was that we were, we were trying to do something in an environment where so many factors that were crucial to our success, perhaps to our survival, were, were completely outside control. We couldn't do anything about the, the the temperature or the wind or the you know the visibility, the ice conditions, the snow conditions. Um, we couldn't do anything about those. So we kind of realised very quickly that we we had pretty finite resources ourselves: our, our, our physical, emotional energy, the amount of food we have with us. Um, and that was being drained daily and we very quickly learned that 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 kind of getting stressed about the weather or you know yelling at the wind or whatever it wherever it was that it was it was annoying us that day was a complete waste of energy because we couldn't do anything about it
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: So we had to learn to because that the whole thing really was 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 a sort of very boring equation, you know, calories versus distance versus time. And and any, any wasted energy was 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 stupid. So um so we kinda had to learn w- how and and where and what we were sort of focusing on and, and and we had to learn to really shepherd our energy kind of not only physically but but emotionally and mentally and I think that was a big lesson for me like like it's so tempting right now to spend. Your whole time in front of the screen, looking at Twitter, looking at the news, panicking, you know, reading about those updates around the world, all the latest death figures, um, who said which politicians said, what? Well, oh, who should I get angry at now? And it's all completely futile. Like we've got no control over it. So, well, what can I control? Well, my own time, what my own energy, what am I doing with it, what am I focusing on, what are my goals? So that was that was a big lesson from from you know, 18, 19 years of expeditions. Like be, be aware of where you're focusing on your energy and what you're worrying about. Um, is it something you can change? If not, well, it's a waste of energy. So, so kind of think about it. Um, that was a big lesson.
2: Yeah, I, it, that all resonates a lot. And <clears throat> do you think that it's as easy being at home? Or I suppose I should ask
1: first, do you feel as purposeful at home as you do on expedition? Yeah, in a strange way, I was thinking... I was telling my wife yesterday because she was born in 1990, so she messed out on on, on some crucial parts of my own education. And I was thinking particularly about the A Team and about Fraggle Rock. And I don't are you old enough to have seen Fraggle Rock, Matt? Yes, just. So Fraggle Rock was pretty bizarre. Jim Jim Henson puppets. It's brilliant. I've I found it on YouTube this morning. It's fantastic. Um, but I think Fraggle Rock taught me a, an absolutely vital lesson that is, has come into play right now, which was. Um, so there were kind of three different species, I guess. There were the fraggles, uh, there were the gorgs, who I think were gorgs, the kind of big, scary things outside in the garden, and, um, and there were doozers, who were these little mini construction workers. And the doozers the built things. They built these amazing towers and sculptures and things out of, and it gets a bit weird here, they built them out of crystals that came from radishes. So I don't know if radish crystal is actually a thing that is physically possible but um, but but anyway and the fraggles their favorite thing to eat was was radish crystal so they'd basically walk along and snap off one of these incredibly elaborate towers that the doozers had spent days building um and and eat it and the doozers were 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 incredibly stoic about this and actually kind of welcomed the space that had been created by the destruction of the thing they'd been working on because it meant they could build something better. So so for me right now, I'm thinking, well, okay, like this huge part of how I make a living has suddenly vanished overnight. I've got a lot of space. So actually that's quite exciting. I've got loads of sort of big projects that I haven't really had the bandwidth to work on. So maybe it's time to focus on those. Maybe it's time to focus on those. So, So for me, I, I don't want to get too cheesy and naff and trite and and talking about positive mental acid and all that sort of stuff but um fraggle rock uh that was a that was a big lesson um you know if something if something's wiped out it gives you a blank space to do something even better so um
2: (laughs) yeah i buy all of that in fact i was gonna say you know as a summary which is the way i'm kind of summarizing all of this little series is what would your advice be to people who are struggling to deal with the sense of feeling trapped or isolated or purposeless.
1: Uh, gosh! Apart from watch Fraggle Rock, yeah, what? Well, definitely look up Fraggle Rock on YouTube. Watch a few. Watch a few old, you know, episodes of Fraggle Rock for sure. Um, and um, I think, I think beyond that, um, yeah. When things were really shit in Antarctica, actually, one of the one of the best ways of getting through it was was by. For me and Tarka was by actually kind of focusing on the other person, like, okay, what can I do for them? What are they struggling with? And again, it, it, there's a risk of kind of descending into into being trite and cheesy here. But um, but I think one of the most destructive things you can, you can do with your time and your energy is is to sort of feel sorry for yourself and kind of gaze into into the abyss of self pity. And 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 if you do end up doing that, like who else can you focus on like who can you help right now what can you do that might have some meaning for someone else and of course we're all essentially um you know locked down uh, prisoners in our own homes right now but that doesn't mean you can't phone someone write to someone email someone message someone that, that actually might benefit from you saying hello um so i think that's 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 important like if you're kind of feeling sorry for yourself we're actually trying to turn that focus outside um Talked about routine that was really important for us for Taka and me like knowing when, when the alarm went off okay what we're gonna do um, and there's a risk now for, for everyone of low like, oh, work okay, I don't no need to get out of bed no need to get dressed I can just stay in my pajamas all day loaf around go on the internet um, I think kind of having some working out some sort of purpose and some sort of routine is, is key to to sort of not losing it mentally um, and uh what else well the, the the sun is shining right now it's a beautiful spring day so you're allowed out you're, you're allowed out once a day so get outside once a day like do something go for a walk go for a run ride a bike whatever you can do um like getting outdoors i think is, is, is really important
2: in you know, the last big expedition you did was solo was it different you know in the coping strategy sense
1: <sighs> it's yeah, but being solo on these big trips and I've done I've done two really big solos. So North Pole two thousand four that was seventy-two days. Antarctica seventeen, eighteen was I can't remember, fifty something, fifty-four, fifty-eight days, can't remember. Um but a few weeks. And um part of me part of me actually loves solo travel in those in those environments because you have a, a kind of freedom. That you don't have as soon as there is one other person involved or, or it doesn't matter how many people, as soon as it's more than one of you, it becomes a team and you have to agree, um, you know, at what time we're going to get up, What, how fast we're going to travel, when, how often we're going to stop. And, and when you're solo, you can kind of do what you like, really, you can sort of live to your own routine. But there is a danger when there's no one else there and no one else watching you that you sort of slip out of that routine. So so I kind of, I like traveling solo because it, it's a chance for me to sort of, you know, test my own self-discipline, that that sort of thing, um, which I think people might mistakenly assume I'm this sort of iron-willed, you know, alarm goes at 5.30, go for, go for a run. That's not okay. So I still have to push myself to do stuff. Like my default state would be, on the sofa in my tracky bums, watching Netflix. Like I'm, I'm, I'm as lazy as any other human being. If no one's watching, so I still have to, I still have to push myself and kind of force myself and remind myself that there's something worthwhile on the other side of that effort. Um, so solo expressions for me are, are challenging in that respect. There's no one there watching you. There's no audience. No one around. So you've got to, you've got to kind of make it happen yourself. Um, i in a weird way, I've never felt lonely on a on a on a solo expedition i think because there are so many people sort of following what i'm doing so many people that care about me are worried about me um and i am in some form of contact you know i've got a satellite phone I'm updating a website um i think there are far lonelier people on the streets of london right now you know um so so loneliness to me isn't isn't a sort of abs- absence of physical, you know, other human beings. It's it's something slightly more ephemeral, and I think it's 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 got something to do with um, kind of meaning and purpose and, and and some sort of human connection. So I still had that f- very strongly, even though I was I was on my own for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Um, and the nice thing about being solo is is actually you you are busy the whole time like you're responsible for everything like if you want food or drink or shelter or you've got to do everything I had to put my tent up every night dig up the snow melt the snow cook my dinner so I talked about sort of the importance of having routine um, when there's a danger that it could slide into complete disarray And, and and that is even more important on a solo trip because there's no one else there to help you really like you've got to do everything so that doesn't Having that sort of packed routine never gave me the chance to sort of wallow in kind of self-pity. Like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, I've abandoned my fiancé. Oh, wait, I wish I was at home. I just never had time to... I was just busy. I was like, shit, I've got to put the tent up. I've got to cook. I've got to update the website. Okay, Oof. Okay, where we I going today? Right, I've got to navigate. I've got to work out. Stop every 90 minutes. Eat, drink. You know, what's the best way around this? Sastrugi field. Oh, I've got crevasses. Oh, shit, I need to get my ice screws out, put my harness on. So, um. So in a way, it was quite stressful um, because as soon as there are two of you, you spend half the time following someone else. You, you can switch off and daydream. But when you're on your own, you don't have time. You've got to be on it all the time, really. <laughs> More so on North Pole trips because you're looking out for bears and falling through the ice and all that kind of nonsense. So um, yeah, so they're surprisingly... Um, it's surprisingly busy being on your own on those big expeditions. Um, and there's, there there just isn't much time for for sort of feeling feeling sorry for yourself (laughs) and I suppose right now you know on a global
2: scale we get to choose how busy we are I mean some people have to be busy they still have to go to work whether they're you know doctors nurses etc or working in the supermarket but the rest of us get to choose I mean I'm trying to speak to as many people as I can remotely you know
1: other people will find a different way of doing it and exactly yeah yeah, yeah and I think I think that's important I think sort of figuring out like we're all doing such weird diverse different things but but I think ha some feeling that you're sort of contributing somehow is is important and for me on these again on these big solo trips like we've always had schools following along we've had people on the website leaving comments and and um and I think if it if it was just me on my own with no one following it and 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 with me if i didn't have the ability to sort of share this story somehow it would have been far far harder to stay motivated so um one of the things i'm doing right now i, I gave a talk online yesterday so some school kids in in canada who were all at home with the parents homeschooling and want to know about. Polar exploration about Edwardian explorers. So I did that as a, as a freebie, and and I didn't make any, make a penny from that. But actually, it's one of the best things I did yesterday. So again, it was just finding something that 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 is that isn't sort of about yourself, you know, <laughs> that, that, that might have some impact. Some who knows, yeah, one of those kids. Who knows what that story might have inspired? So yeah, f- sort of figuring out something you can do right now because we're suddenly all so constrained um by what we're able to do in in the, in the in the physical environment like is there some other way of of, of sharing the, the the you know the unique expertise and knowledge that and wisdom that you've got so that's important
2: thanks for listening for more information visit the adventure podcast at uk. And if you've got ideas for guests or want to give us some feedback, you can email us at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk. And finally, please do like and share and tell all of your friends about this. And most importantly to us, uh, if you can leave us a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. Uh, They do make a huge, huge difference to us.
0: Thanks very much.